Well, we've been in a sermon series for the past several weeks called The Lies of the Suburbs. And if you're just joining us, each week we've been looking at a different lie that we're tempted to believe, no matter where we live, really, but especially for those of us who live in cul-de-sacs in a uh, four-bedroom, two-bath ranch house with a fenced-in backyard and a swimming pool. Um, That's my house, by the way. Uh, So, so far we've looked at how we idolize our our precious and wonderful children, uh, how we chase after stuff, thinking it will make us happy. And last week we talked about codependency and relationships and how we navigate that. And today's lie is one that admittedly hits really close to home for me, so I'll be preaching as much to myself as to all of us. We'll be talking about the lie, better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. And this is one I have struggled with for a really long time because I think it's in my DNA. I grew up in a home where safety was the absolute highest value. It was the most important thing. We had the alarm system and the safety plans. I wasn't allowed to ride my bike or walk to school because the neighborhood around my school wasn't deemed to be safe enough for me to do that. There weren't enough sidewalks. I had a cell phone in my car, glove box as a teen before that was like popular or something people had just in case of an emergency. And all of that as a kid seemed really crazy to me. And then I had my own kids. <laughs> and everything in me immediately longed to protect them from the whole world. As soon as they were born, things that used to seem so safe suddenly felt reckless. Like, what if we put our kids in an airplane? And it was the one airplane in a billion that just fell out of the sky. Like, what if that happened? What if that cough they have is actually the beginnings of pneumonia? What if they climb up on the tiny ladder on the playground and then they fall off and somehow spontaneously die in the process? (laughs) I wasn't the only parent, though, with my kids. Um, I only gave them half of my very cautious DNA. The other half of their nature and their nurture came from Dave Collins. (laughs) And that, (laughs) yes, that's our infant son, Michael Collins. And uh, Dave liked to play a game called Let's See If He Can Stand on My Hand. (laughs) So between the two of us, uh, we had to find a middle ground. My kids grew up riding roller coasters and standing on his hand and traveling the world and taking a lot of risks. They went sledding down these huge hills when they were tiny. Uh, One time he pushed our younger son down a hill on a sled and everyone around us gasped (laughs) because it was way too big for him. My older son went skydiving the moment he turned 18. When I tried to talk him out of it, he said, well, you can get it for me for my birthday or I'll find a skydiving place on Groupon (laughs) Uh, because he knew. (laughs) But (laughs) they also wore bike helmets and they got their flu shot And I made sure every night they were tucked in and they were safe, and I checked on them again before I went to bed. Even now, as they're both young adults, our youngest one is 17, our oldest one's almost 20, and still when they leave the house, I say things like, be safe, and they stop and they smile at me because they know being a really cautious mom is a hard habit to shake, no matter how big they get, and they're a lot bigger than I am now. Now, some of you, too, are concerned for the safety and the security for you and your family. It's how you're wired. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel safe. It's okay to want to protect your family, to lock the doors at night, to live in a place that feels safe to you, to make choices to protect you and the people you love. One of our basic human needs as people is to feel safe. 
And part of our job is to create loving homes where our families are safe, great schools for our kids, to make our cities as safe as we can so that children and adults can live in safe places. So I'm not suggesting this morning that we like release all the children into the woods and get rattlesnakes for pets and give away all of our possessions and leave the doors unlocked. The problem becomes when safety becomes the most important value. Safety can easily become the only factor that we consider when we make decisions for ourselves and for our finances and for our families, for our future. But the truth is nothing is ever 100% safe. But we keep trying to guarantee it like we can do that. The suburbs themselves started as these communities outside the, quote, dangerous cities. You know, we were looking to be safe. And then crime and problems found the suburbs, so we moved the suburbs farther out from the first suburbs. And that didn't work, so we put up fences around our homes and our properties. The gates didn't keep the world out either, so then we put a gate around the whole neighborhood and then put a guard at that gate just to make sure. And then we want to take it one more step, so we add little cameras to our doorbells so we can keep an eye on everything all the time. And none of those things are objectively wrong in and of themselves. If you live in a gated community or you have the ring doorbell, I love those videos from the ring doorbells that are so funny of the things that go wrong. But when we keep moving farther and farther out and we build more and more gates around and barriers around ourselves and around the world, we start to find that we're entirely isolated from it. We begin to believe that as long as everyone and all of our possessions are entirely safe inside our four walls, then it'll be okay. Then we'll be secure. We've done our job. And then one day at a time, we begin to believe maybe there's no risk worth taking as long as we're safe. But what if the Christian life isn't about avoiding all risk? What if it's also about the reward? We're going to read this morning from a parable from the Gospel of Matthew. And usually when we read this one, we talk about stewardship and money because at face value, that is what it's about. But today as we read, I want you to do something. When, the, when this passage talks about talents, which is a word for money, I want you to think about as they're giving the talents to each of the servants, I want you to imagine in your mind not just money and possession, but all the things that matter most to you. That Those are your talents in this parable your family, your possessions, your home, actually just your whole life. That's the talent in our parable. Okay? All right, let's read. Matthew 25. For it is if, it is if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. All right, so in the story so far from Jesus, a very wealthy man comes to his servants, and he has this huge amount of money that he gives to each of them, in different amounts, but a lot of money just the same. And two of those servants took that money out into the community, took out the talents, and took a measured risk and received a return. But the third one went and buried what he'd been given into the ground to keep it safe. Our passage goes on. 
The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So the first two servants had taken what they had been given, invested it out in the community, brought back a return. And there was some risk in that, of putting what they had out into the world. Something could have gone wrong. They could have lost something along the way. But the first two servants made careful decisions, not ones that would guarantee the safety of what the master had given them. There was some risk. But they made that decision, and in the end, they received back more than they had been given. The passage goes on. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Now, the safest decision was to bury the talent in the ground. There's no risk in that. Better safe than sorry. But look at how the master responds. His master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, gather where I did not scatter? You ought to invest, have invested my money with the bankers in my return. I would have received what was my own with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one with ten talents. For to all who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, I know. <laughs> It's a hard one. It's a really harsh response for the master. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, but first, try again to take a step back from the literal financial reading of this passage and the money and the talents. And listen, as if this is not your money, but your whole life. Imagine that you are a servant and the master is God. And God gives you this great gift. God gives you your family. God gives you your home and your possessions and, yes, your bank account. You have this one life that God's given you to live. And then you have to make a choice. Will you choose to let it out into the world, even with some risk? Or will you bury it all just to keep it safe? When we have something that we're worried we'll lose, that we care about so much, we can be tempted to put it behind the three gates and the alarm system and to not let it take any risks at all, to protect it from the world at all costs. And yes, that will keep it safe. And again, safety is not a problem. But when it becomes our highest value, the thing that matters most in the world, is that the life God wants for you to bury it all underground? Do you think that's what God wants for us? The master's response is harsh, and that's not the words that God's using with us. The servant was just trying to protect it. We do just want to keep things safe. But it's not the only time this comes up in the Bible. 
And we have these words directly from Jesus in the Gospel of John. It says, those who love their life lose it. Those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. So that's the truth. You cannot follow Jesus without some risk. You can't. I'm never going to get up here and tell you following Jesus is 100% safe all the time. There'll never be any danger or any risk. But then God's given you this tremendous gift of your life. And you're called out into the world to serve with everything God has given you. And the world we know is full of risk and danger. We just want to hold it all back and hide it away, bury it in the ground. But if we left that risk, that fear, keep us from following him, we could lose everything. Not that it will be taken away from us, but we could lose everything that God has for us. With this one life we have to live, do you want to get to the end and you look God in the face and you say, phew, I'm safe. <laughs> I made it. Or do you want to hear God say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. The risk in letting your guard down on safety is real. But the rewards are too. And they can be immeasurable if we can step out of the safety of our homes and let God work in our lives. But to do that, we have to go out into the world and take everything with us. But first, you have to trust God enough to do that. The third servant didn't bury the talents because he truly wanted to be faithful. He said he did it because he believed the master was harsh and he was afraid. He didn't hide them because he loved the master. He did it because he was afraid of what would happen if he didn't. I don't think we overemphasize safety because we're like afraid of God, that God will take it away. But I do think sometimes we think we're just on our own that we just have to control all of it, that God isn't paying attention, so I better stand guard and be in control all the time and protect everything I have. It's up to me. But that control is an illusion, and it can result in us losing the lives that you're trying so desperately to protect. My favorite theologian, Frederick Buechner, writes this. He says, what God says, on the other hand, is the life you save is the life you lose. In other words, the life you clutch and hoard and guard and play safe with is in the end a life worth little to anybody, including yourself, and only a life given away for love's sake is a life worth living. And then Beekner goes on to remind us that God's not asking of us anything that God's not already done first. He says this, to bring his point home, God shows us a man who gave his life away to the extent of dying a national disgrace without a penny in the bank or a friend to his name. In terms of men's wisdom, he was a perfect fool. And anybody who thinks, listen to this part, anybody who thinks he can follow him without making something like the same kind of fool of himself is laboring not under the cross, but a delusion. God took the risk for you. God could have played it safe. God knew our world was a dangerous place. He could have put up like five fences and a guard at the gate and the ring door cam on heaven and we go knocking at the door and he's like, nope. But instead, God sent his only son here to live with us. There was no bigger risk than that and it cost him everything. God came into the world as his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, yes, but also fully human. 
Jesus was vulnerable to the same pain and danger that you and I face every day. And in the end, it cost him his life. But the reward was worth the risk to God. And that's the God we've chosen to follow. I still do worry about my kids every day. I've talked to people who are like 40 years older than I am. And they're like, yeah, that's forever. <laughs> You're going to worry about your kids every day. I breathe a sigh of relief every time. I know they made it to their destination on a long trip. You know, I watch their, their little car drive on my phone. <laughs> I still make them go to the doctor every time they're sick. I've forbidden both of them to ride a motorcycle, which as long as they are on my car insurance policy, I can do that. But I've also found their passion and Dave's passion for adventure and a little bit of risk and danger contagious too. So I've started taking some of those risks with them. Even when it makes me nervous, I just want to scoop up my whole little family and put them in a bunker so nothing bad could ever happen to them. One afternoon, I was reading about all of this, and I came across uh, someone wrote, they said, a life assigns us certain jobs. It might appear that our task is to avoid all risk. And if that seems reasonable, take another look. It's not life, but an overprotective parent who assigned such an impossible task. Life cannot be lived without risk. The task life assigns us is not to avoid all risk, but to balance risk and reward. Yes. Our job is not better safe than sorry, especially as Christians. Our job is not avoid risk at all cost. And on the other hand, we're also not supposed to jump out of the plane without a parachute. It's about the balance of risk and reward as we follow Jesus. I want my family to be safe, just like you do. But I also want them to live a real life. I want them to have a life that balances risk and reward. I want them to be protected. My goodness, I do. Oh, no, shush. <laughs> my watch is like, did you know your kid just got somewhere? Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> I want to be protected. And look, they're safe. Phew. Uh, I... <laughs> I also want, as well as them getting there safely, I want to see what God can do through them. I want them to meet all kinds of people. But I know that putting them out there in the world means there's going to be some failure and some struggle and even some danger for them. But I want all of that for you too. God has a plan for you and for your life, each of you. God has people you need to meet whether you're 15 or 95, God has adventures still for you to follow him, whether that's just talking to your neighbor or going halfway around the world. God's doing these amazing things and has called you and me and each of us to be a part of it. And there will be some risks in doing that. But you can't experience the life that God wants for you without some risk. And the rewards of it will change your life. You get to experience that real life that God has for you. You get to see what God's doing. And maybe for just a moment, you catch a glimpse of it, and the people you care about get to do that too. That's a huge reward for us. When you release your life and all that you care about into the world, instead of burying it in a hole in the ground, that's when you really get to follow God and to see where he's leading you. So please be safe because I care about you. Buckle your seatbelt, lock the door before you go to bed, take your vitamins, but also take the risk. Trust God with your life. I promise it's worth it. Let's pray. 
God, thank you that you are with us and we know we're in under the shelter of your arms all the time. And God, we just want to stay there all the time and keep everyone we love under that shelter too and behind three doors and two gates and a ring door cam. But God, we know the life that you have for us is outside of our front door. Give us the courage not only to step out in faith and to follow you, but also the willingness to give everything that we love and everything that we have to serve you too. Help us, if we've already buried it deep underground, to dig it up and to trust you with our family and our finances and our whole lives. Because at the end, God, as we appear before you and hear your voice speaking to us, each of us too want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.